Hey everybody, Steve here. I'm so excited to bring you this encore presentation from about a year ago, which was by far one of our most popular episodes of 2021. And this is not hyperbole when I say that this episode truly has the power to change your life. And I say that because it changed mine. I was so inspired after this interview that for the next day and the day after and for a few days, I was on a mission to pay attention to the thoughts in my head. And wow, was I surprised at what I discovered. But what's cool is that I learned in this conversation that we can literally rewire our brain. Dr. Helmstetter is one of the leading experts around the world on neuroplasticity and the power of self-talk. He's been on over 1,200 radio and television programs, including multiple times on Oprah, and you get to hear him one-on-one in this in-depth conversation. Now, our show has grown so much since last year when we first aired this, so I know there are plenty of you out there that haven't heard this episode yet. And for those of you that have, I invite you to give it another listen, as I did. Because there are so many wonderful nuggets and tools and reminders in this episode that we can use to change our thoughts. And when we change our thoughts, we literally change our lives. I hope you enjoy it. If so, please give us a rating and a review and share the episode with a friend who you think it will resonate with. Thanks, guys. Here's the episode. Make the world So I'm listening to a podcast the other day, uh, Sarah Greenberg's podcast, The Life of Greatness, and she had... Oh, I haven't listened to that. Yeah, she's really good. It was recommended by a friend, and Martha Beck was a guest on it, and I wanted to play you a quick little clip from that. Martha Beck, you are an extraordinary woman, and you have had a... That's really all I wanted to play. I heard an R in there, extraordinary. No, I definitely heard extraordinary. Let's, uh, okay. let me back this up. Can you play it again? Hold on. <laughs> Martha Beck, you are an extraordinary woman. And extraordinary I woman. I don't know. It sounded like she said R and then it's, I heard an R. Yeah, extraordinary. I'm, I'm in here an R. She's saying it like the, you know, <laughs> she's saying it the same way I do, which is, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> Just saying. Oh my gosh. Is this podcast now just you going, you're just going to show me, <laughs> you're just going to play different. I spend three hours a day, Aaron. Recordings of people pronouncing extraordinary. First thing I do when I wake up in the morning is start going through podcasts and scouring through searching for people saying extraordinary. And uh, <laughs> and I've heard 9,722 extraordinaries and it just gets me irritated. And by noon, I just give up. But this one, I was like, yes, I found one. So um, I'm very, very <laughs> proud of myself this week. Nice. Well, recently I discovered I've been mispronouncing something. So oh, really? Do tell. And I will own it. And I, I learned that. And the difference is I corrected myself and now I pronounce it the correct way. So just like this summer, I really got into watching Seinfeld. Great show. And I don't know why I've never watched that before. And I know it's a classic. It's the and best ever. It's just, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And... And so anyway, I've been binging it, getting sucked into all the characters and everything. And I noticed everybody would call it Seinfeld. And I thought this whole time it was pronounced Seinfeld. 
and it bothered really? me so much. I don't recall <laughs> yeah. you ever saying Seinfeld. Like a field, Seinfeld. Yeah. yeah. So I always pronounced it that way. And even like if I ever talked about Jerry Seinfeld, I would say Jerry Seinfeld. And I, <laughs> anyway, I just like, I just thought everybody was being lazy and not enunciating it. They're like, oh yeah, Seinfeld. And <laughs> it was kind of one of those things, you know how people, there's a store, Nordstrom. Everybody, a lot of people pronounce it Nordstrom's, but Correct. there's no S. Yes, at the I end. used to. Yeah. For years, I called it Nordstrom's. Yes, yes. So many people mispronounce it or add that S on, at the end that sometimes I question myself too. I'm like, wait, everybody pronounces it Nordstrom's. Is there actually an S at the end? So, anyway, <laughs> that happens a lot. There was a restaurant in Aliso Viejo where we lived for many years and you grew up called Opa, but everybody called it Opa's. You know, we're going to Opa's mm. for dinner, and it's just O-P-A-H. A wonderful restaurant, yeah. by the way, a free plug to Opa out there. If you're ever in Elisa Viejo, go <laughs> go have their halibut. It's awesome. But Shout out to Opa. Yeah, but uh, but yes, the same thing. Everybody called it Opa's all the time for, for many, many years. And I remember probably about the 30th time I was in there having dinner one time, I'm looking up at the sign, and wow, it just says Opa. There's no like apostrophe S or no S at the end. Why does everybody call it OPA? So just one of those things that makes you say, hmm. But moving on, I am positive. I am doing my best since our talk with today's guest. Aaron, who's our guest for this week? Dr. Shad Helmstetter is the author of more than 20 books in the field of self-talk and personal growth. His books include the classic self-talk bestseller, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself, Negative Self-Talk and How to Change It, and The Power of Neuroplasticity. His books are published in more than 74 countries worldwide. Dr. Helmstetter has appeared on over 1,200 radio and television programs, including repeat appearances on Oprah Winfrey, ABC, CBS, NBC, and CNN News. So in this episode, we talked about something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, and we mentioned in the podcast that it's been kind of a trend on social media that we've seen lately is the whole self-care, self-help, daily affirmations, all of that. And we talked with Dr. Helmstetter about this idea of self-talk and how to actually talk to yourself positively. Yeah. And it's one of those things that I'm not going to lie. I was a little, you know, a little intimidated talking to him. Here's a guy that's been on Oprah and had written a, you know, written a bunch of best-selling books and she's been on many, many TV shows and very well known in this area, probably the top expert on the planet with regard to self-talk. And so many of the things that he talked about, it's, it, it is so true for all of us. But now that science is backing up what many doctors like him have been saying for 30, 40 years that we literally are creating little neural pathways in our brain and that affects our daily lives on what we're thinking and saying to ourselves in our heads. But then the tools that he arms us with to, to change those and, and, and there's a direct correlation between what we are thinking, what we're saying in our heads all day throughout our lives and how successful we are and how content and happy we are. So I can't think of more powerful and more great information to for us all to hear than this information and what he has to say. So let's jump right to it, our conversation with Dr. Shad Helmstetter. Make the world a better place. Make the world a better place. Good morning, Dr. Helmstetter. How are we doing? 
Incredible. Great to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. We've heard so much about you and have been so excited to have you on these last few weeks. Let's dive right in with, can you tell us exactly what is self-talk and what inspired you to get into this area? Well, all of us talk to ourselves all of the time, but self-talk as we're using it now is actually the... It focuses on the fact that everything we say to ourselves, even if we're not thinking about it, everything we we say when we talk to ourselves is actually wiring our brain. And so self-talk is how to rewire your brain and get it right instead of get it wrong. How many years have you been in this uh, area of self-talk? Well, it's been just over 40 years that I've been working in self-talk. And um, I wrote my first book something over 35 years ago. And when I wrote that book, I thought this whole idea of of self-talk was really a breakthrough concept and how we can reprogram the brain by what we say when we talk to ourselves. And, and, And I thought that whole process of letting everybody know about that would take about 10 years. And then, and then I would move on. And mm-hmm. so that was over 40 years ago. And I'm, I'm still talking about it. And people are still getting it. So why is that? Why do you think that is that that it's so prevalent in our society that so many of us have negative thoughts on our daily lives? Is it something within our culture? Is it a, a worldwide phenomena, or is it mostly here in the United States that you're that you're seeing people that are trying to make changes in their lives in this area? Why is it that all these years later this is still a prevalent issue with our negative thoughts? I think there are several reasons. One is um, we're we're becoming more aware of brain programming because of the field of neuroscience and what what we've learned in in that field. So people are are more generally aware of of programming and how the brain gets wired. Um, But more recently, yeah, there seems to be more negativity going around than ever before in the past decade, especially. And I suspect that's because of media and uh, social media. And um, mm-hmm. so, and, and then the, the past year of the pandemic, uh, when people had a lot of time to be by themselves and think about it, they began to listen to what they were saying when they talked to themselves and they realized, this is really negative. What can I do about that? So you talk in a lot of your books about uh programs and programs that kind of over time get set within our our brain. How can we get rid of these programs that are working against us? Well, it's true. We have a lot of programs. Uh, It's been estimated that during the first 18 years of your life, if you grew up in a reasonably positive home, you were told no, or what you can't do or what won't work, more than 148,000 times. So that's a lot of programs. That's a lot of negatives. So much so that that it's also been estimated that as much as 77% of the programs that are wired into us by now, as much as 77% of those programs are negative or counterproductive or work against us. So we've had a lot of programming. A lot of it when we were growing up was to help us be safe. So we were told no a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but what we've we've learned a couple of things, or several things from the field of neuroscience that I think are really important. One of those is 
everything that we hear, first from other people and then from our own self-talk, everything that we hear for the first time is recorded in the brain. But then everything that's repeated frequently, that's not only recorded, but it's actually wired in. And the problem is the part of the brain that, that records and wires in all of those messages we got, that part of the brain doesn't know the difference between something that's true or something that's false, right or wrong or bad or good or positive or negative. It just records it. And then we act on those programs as though they're true. So if you put those, those basic facts together that we get a lot of programs, tens of thousands of them, and if most of them are negative, and if our brain believes them, whether they're true or not, then it's, then it's easy to see why so many people have a lot of problems when life actually could be very good. It could be super good, um, but they don't see it that way. And the reason they don't see it that way is we look at everything through our programs. Yeah, I'd heard it described years ago that really kind of resonated with me. And the metaphor that I heard was that the these neural pathways that you talk about are not unlike what happens in the woods, for example, when we walk through the woods and we set uh, trails and little paths where people, if 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 uh, if you constantly walk on the same path through a forest floor, you're going to pat down you know certain parts of that and you create a a trail, and that that's similar to the neural pathways that we are developing in our brains. So uh, first of all, let me ask you, does that make sense to you as a, as a PhD? Is, is that an accurate kind of assessment of what's really going on in our brain? Yes, uh, we actually call that self-talk park. And, and the, the image, a, a metaphor that's similar to what you're talking about is imagine that you're just born and you're standing, somehow you can stand, but you're in this beautiful park and there are just beautiful trees and nice green grass and, and you can Everything looks wonderful and, and you can go anywhere. And, and then, then you get your first message. And when you get that first message, you actually take steps forward and begin to walk through the park. And then every time you get that same message repeated again and again, at first you look back and you don't see any trail behind you because you've only walked on that path once or twice. Right. The more you walk that path, the stronger and stronger it gets. And in time, we, we have a lot of pathways in self-talk park and we walk on those pathways without having to think about it. So another perhaps more contemporary metaphor is, is the autopilot on an airplane. We fly on an autopilot. Our brain is, has these tens and tens of thousands of programs that are stored and, and the brain is acting on those programs and we don't know what most of them are. We're not even aware of more than perhaps 5% of the programs we've got. So if, you have, if you're on an airplane, and let's say you want to fly to Florida, and, and so you get on the airplane and you're taking off and you're looking forward to flying to Florida, but it happens that the airplane's onboard computer is programmed to fly to New York, you're not going to get to Florida. It's going to follow, it's going to follow the programs that are that are programmed into the computer. And so that's, that's what's happening. But, but there's something else I'll add to that that's, that's incredibly hopeful. And that is you get to change your programs. Mm. They're permanent unless you, unless you take action, unless you consciously choose to change them. They're permanent. 
Um, it would be like if you were walking through Self-Talk Park and you were always using the same pathways. And, and a lot of them are taking you in the wrong direction. And so, so that's causing problems in your life. And then you decide to change your pathways, change your programs. You can do that. And we can talk about how to do that. But, but what happens is this. And this is, the, this is the encouraging part. When you stop using the old program, when you stop walking on the old pathway, what happens in a in a forest or in a park when you no longer use the pathways? It they start to get grown growing. over. Exactly. They, yeah, they 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 actually get reclaimed in the brain in the field of neuroscience. It's actually called pruning. When you stop using an old program, the brain needs that space, and it's no longer that program isn't being used. The brain needs the space because you only have so much space in your brain. Sure. So what it's going to do is it's going to it's going to delete the old program to make to make way for new programs. So, so that's really good news because what it means is we can change our programs and it doesn't mean we're always saddled with the old negative programs that we had growing up or that we've been living with for so many years. Gotcha. Uh, can we, and I love that, but before we dive into how to change those programs, you said something a minute ago that really caught my attention, that you said there's so many of these programs that we are unaware of, that we are completely oblivious to. So, so for step one, how do we become better at recognizing what these programs are that we have? By listening. Step one is to monitor. Monitor your self-talk. Monitor what you're saying today and tomorrow and the next day. We're not used to doing that. We're, we're actually not used to listening to even what we think, let alone what we say yeah. out loud. But if you, if you got somebody to go with you for a month, just go around every place you went for a month and record or wrote down every single thing you said. Um, and, and when and you say said, even down. in your head, you're talking about. Well, just... you, you couldn't do it with your thoughts, but you could have, but somebody could write down or record everything you said out loud, at least. So that would it, give you an indication. Exactly. Of, and, then, and then after a month, you, you have that person um, type out all of those, everything you said, and then take a yellow highlighter and circle everything you said that you, that you repeated frequently. And you would have a perfect picture of what your self-talk is today. So that would give you an idea of the programs you have right now that are flying your airplane, that are that are setting the course of your life. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So step one, listen, just gather awareness of what's going on in our head. And I've, I, I love that idea. Ask outsiders, ask friends, hey, at least pay attention to what's coming out of my mouth. And maybe we can have our... Our friends and family help us become more aware of these paths that we are creating, especially the negative ones that are not serving us well. So once we establish that, you talk a lot about in your work and in your books about repetition and how important is that. So what would be that next step towards now that we're aware of some negative self-talk that we want to change, what's then the next step towards gathering that weed whacker and creating this new path in the forest, for example, or in the airplane uh, metaphor, uh, you know, hitting the controls and sending it to Florida instead of New York? Well, if the first step is to listen or monitor, then it makes sense that the, that the second step to changing your programs is to edit. And every single person viewing or listening to this right now has the ability to, to edit what they were about to think or what they were about to say. 
So when you edit your self-talk, you, you're actually flipping it over. You're, you're, you're saying the opposite. As an example, let's say you said, somebody says for, for 30 years, they say, I can't remember names or I have the world's worst memory. That's, a kind, that's kind of obvious self-talk that we all hear all the time. Very common. But let's say right. that somebody's been saying that for 30 years, just as an example. And then, and then they go to um, a party and they meet somebody and they think, I want to remember this person's name. And then 10 seconds later, the name is gone and they're going through their, they're going through their, <laughs> the, the alphabet, trying to figure out what that person's <laughs> name is. And meanwhile, their subconscious mind is saying, see, I did exactly what you told me to. You've been telling me for 30 years, you can't remember names. Done deal. You've got it. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. so when you start editing your self-talk and you turn the negatives around, instead of saying, I have the world's worst memory, or I can't remember names, or I'm no good at, with people's names, you say the opposite of that. So you might say something like, you know, I've got a really good memory. I'm good at remembering names. I like people. I care about them. I pay attention. I listen to them. I'm interested and I can remember people's names. So, so that's, that's when you're beginning to edit your self-talk. When you first do that, you're going to think you're lying to yourself. You're going to think you're kidding because your, your old programs are still saying, you've got to be kidding. You've got the world's worst memory. But you're not lying to yourself. You've actually been kidding yourself for the past 30 years. What you're doing is setting the record straight. And because, because of repetition, the, the human brain, we've learned from the field of neuroscience, the human brain rewires itself based on repetition. If I had to write the world's shortest success book, I, it could be a one-page book, and I would write, the key to success is repetition, 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 <laughs> repetition. Sure. That's, that's simply because that's exactly how the brain wires in new information. So when you begin editing and changing your own self-talk and bringing it more into the positive, and there's a good reason to do that, when you begin doing that, at first your brain isn't going to believe you, but remember, repetition rewires the brain. So the more you say the new self-talk, what we call positive self-talk, the more the brain will wire that in, and then that becomes the new truth, and that becomes reality. I, I mentioned the, uh, positive self-talk, and number of years ago when self-talk, before self-talk got popular at all, positive thinking was very popular. And there were a lot of people who didn't believe in positive thinking. They said, they were, the critics said, well, um, positive thinking couldn't possibly really make any difference in your life because the words don't go anywhere and they don't do anything. They have no substance. So positive thinking must be just kind of wishful thinking. But that was before we had computer imaging technology that allowed, allowed us to look into the brain while it was working. And what we've discovered mm -hmm. is that, and this is fascinating, people who think in the positive most of the time, people who think in the positive actually grow more neural networks in the left prefrontal cortex of the brain. So if you reached up and tapped right above your, your left eyebrow, right behind that is a section of the brain that gets stronger when you when you think in positives and the reason that's important is because that's the part of the brain that helps you uh, search for alternatives and and find solutions and take action so you could actually say that's the success center of the brain that gets stronger actually larger when you think in the positive 
On the other hand, people who think in the negative actually grow more neural networks in the right prefrontal cortex of their brain. And that's a part of the brain that, that causes you to, to stop or flee or hide and not take action, not, get, not solve the problem. So you could call, you could call that the, the failure center of the brain. So what we used to think was just wishful thinking, as it turns out that positive thinking, or now positive self-talk, actually wires your brain to succeed instead of wiring your brain physically to fail. That's, that's some very that's so cool. powerful, powerful stuff. Uh, Aaron, repeat after me. This will be the best <laughs> interview we've ever done today. <laughs> I'm positive this will be the best interview we've ever done. Uh, yeah, isn't that amazing, the power that we all have to just shift our thinking and that one little step actually changes the mapping of our brain, which is mind-blowing to me. Yeah, so fascinating. And what you said earlier, I loved. You said you're not lying to yourself. You're just setting the record straight, which is so true, which I didn't really acknowledge until now. There's insecurities that I've held and been repeating to myself ever since I was a little kid that if I wrote it down and really looked at it, I would think, oh, that's absurd. That's not true. And you're so right. It's just, it's so powerful to acknowledge that, that you're setting the record straight, not lying to yourself. And, and we have every right to do that because we were born to, to succeed. We were born to do well. If mm -hmm. you think about it, no one is ever born to fail. Our, none of our systems are designed to fail. They're all designed to make us as, as living up to our, our, our maximum. And yeah. um, one of, one of my, my favorite places in the world is the newborn infant in, in infant nursery in the hospital. And I love going there. And, and when you visit the, the newborn nursery and you're going to see the little infants, um, you usually stand on one side of a viewing window. And then on the other side of that window, in their, in their little bassinets are these beautiful miracles of life, just born, just into the world. And if their eyes are open, you can see this, if their eyes are open, they're awake. It's almost, you can see them like as though they're searching to live out that incredible potential they were born with and, and just waiting to be able to, to do it and, and to get it right and to live that incredibly fulfilling life. And then there's, then, so then the infant is, is with the mom and, and gets the first messages and they're probably really good messages because they come from the mother and they're loving and caring. And, but there's probably a, a television set on up in the corner of the, of the hospital room and, and the first oh, wow. messages start to come in. And then of course the, the little child is taken home and then uh -huh. begins to grow. And so then the parents are the parents and the brothers and sisters or family. And then the, then the young person gets older and they're in school and then they have friends and then teachers and then social media. If you think about this, as we were mentioning earlier, the brain records everything that it hears. It has to because it's trying to keep us safe. And then it, and then it wires in everything that it hears frequently. So as this little infant, this child is getting older and older and then becoming a young adult and then an adult, all of the messages that got recorded and wired in and stored in that, in that person's brain, that actually is, those messages are responsible for that person's ability to do well in life or not so well. A, a good way to look at that is, is to imagine right 
right now, someone you know, or someone you know of, who you would consider to be really successful. And I don't mean just financially successful, but really successful at life, at living. Mm-hmm. And and if that person, if that's someone you know of or, or know, get a good picture of that person in your mind, and then we'll have that person come into the room and just stand right up to the right of you. So there's that incredibly successful person, probably happy. Then then while that person is standing there, get an image of someone who's the opposite. So that would be someone who's failing. And get a picture in your mind of someone you know who is struggling and, and failing at life. I still think of the, it was the kid who was about 17 years old when he left home. His parents have never seen him since. If they did find him, he'd probably be in an alley someplace and might not even recognize his parents because of the drugs in his system. But that's who I just think of when, when I think of someone who's failing. But, but get a picture in your own mind of someone you know or know of who's failing badly, struggling with life. And then ask that person to come into the room and stand off to the, the left of you and then look at them. And one of them super wonderfully successful in life. It's working. And the other one is struggling, but no matter what they do, they, they keep failing. And then, and then ask yourself the question, what's the difference? And the answer to that question ultimately is always the difference is their programs. And this is profound because yeah. it's entirely possible that those two individuals now so far apart, one so successful and one failing, those two individuals could have been the two little infants that we looked at in the newborn nursery just a few minutes ago, and they were wide awake and their eyes were open and they were both searching to live out that potential. We're all born with potential and promise. And then then one person gets programs that hold them back and hold them down. And the other person either gets programs or they start to work on their own programs. So they, they end up with programs that are helpful or good for them and, and, and healthy and help them move forward. I like that picture because it says, it always makes a person think, where do I stand? Am I over there near the person who's really successful? Is that where my programs are taking me? Or, or am I still struggling? Are, are mine taking me in the other direction? And the fact that we have a choice, a personal choice to do something about that, that's a that's a major breakthrough in the field of neuroscience and in the field of human behavior. Well, and if we could pause right there, because you just kind of went in a little direction that I didn't expect to even talk about. My whole kind of in when Aaron and I prepped for for this interview, we talked more about specifically self-talk and how to, and we cater kind of our questions on how to change our own self-dialogue and our in our self-talk. But but when you bring in the 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 infants in the nursery and so forth, and if we could pause real quickly and talk about, because we have a lot of young mothers, a lot of young fathers that are listeners to this show, and it sounds to me like as, as parents, we certainly can play a role in helping with our children, with those infants. And I remember hearing when Aaron was a baby, for example, that should be sitting in her high chair and holding her cup of milk or juice. And what would we as parents say? Don't drop the juice. You know, don't drop your cup. Don't, and it was always don't, as opposed to, hey, hold on to your milk. 
hold on to your Jews. Just restating, uh, you know, our communication with our with our kids. It, it sounds like can really try to make a difference. And I remember trying to adjust that for me. You know, when it's your kids and you love them so much, don't run in the street. Stop doing that. You know, uh, so so. What? How can we, as parents with young children, help in that area with the way we talk to them? I'll tell you what I did. Many years ago, my sons were very young. They're grown now. They're very successful. They're happy. They're standing over there. Um, the, when they were really young, I was studying self-talk. And I had this idea that what what if I couldn't talk to my two little kids for a month? What if I couldn't say anything out loud? And what if each one of them had a little bitty keyboard strapped to their little bitty chest? And on the top of the keyboard, I imagined there was a sign and the sign said, dad, mom, everything you type into my keyboard will be wired into my brain and programmed for life as though it's true. Please be careful. Mm. And that keyboard is plugged right into the little kid's brain. And I thought, what if I had to type in everything I said to my kids for a month? Well, I never talked really badly to my kids because I was aware of this. But if you think about it, it would be hard to imagine typing in the words, you're so stupid. Or you'll never amount to anything. Or you become president, you've got to be kidding. Or who do you think you are? You're not so special. The kinds of things that parents, without realizing it, without understanding it, perhaps, actually what we do is, is we say to our kids mostly what was said to us. So sure. Because those programs we got from our parents, Absolutely. and so then we pass those along, of course. So no one tries to hurt their kids. No, no one tries to, to program with the, the wrong things. But, but try this. If you, if you have children at home, think of what you would say to them no matter what the circumstance, what you would say to them if you had to type it into their computer keyboard, what would you type in? Because it's true, those messages that you give them repeatedly are not only being typed into their computer-like brain, they're being stored for life, and they're going to be acted on as though they're true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think if you have... Uh, the ability to take a moment to type it in, you're most likely going to edit those comments uh, because we all care about our children and what we're saying to them. So I think that's a powerful exercise. By the way, it's okay to say don't. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's okay to say don't. The, the brain understands it exactly as you perceive it. So so if you, it says, if you don't run into traffic, that's a good thing to say. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Okay. So then if we could shift gears a little bit and chat about, so so if we're all on this journey to improve our self-talk, what do we do when we're in the workplace or we're, or we're with our friends and we find ourselves surrounded by, and we realize that we have, in some cases, maybe close friends that are very negative people. How do we handle that when we're surrounded by negativity and negative people? What we've learned is that we can't change someone else's programs because we want to. That is, let's say that you have somebody in the workplace that's very negative and uh, they're difficult to, to be around maybe. And so you want to change, you want to get them to change their programs. That's really hard. 
we we lose our our right or ability to change somebody else's programs usually when kids leave home and or maybe sometime before that so so people around us people who we associate with or find ourselves in the company of whose whose programs are very negative there's not much you can do about their programs you can help you can oh, i have to say this cuz i just thought it you can give them one of my books <laughs> uh, Absolutely. You know, I'm kind of, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of kidding there. I, I even think the people who would read one of my books are actually the people who would want to change anyway. So, but you're absolutely but right. Yep. Be, because you can't, because it's, it's almost impossible to change someone else's programs and, and other adults. Follow the old rule the strongest programs always win, which means take care of your own. Make sure your programs are really good. The more you have to be around other people who tend to be negative, the more you have to make sure that your programs are optimistic and positive and healthy so that you're taken care of because that you can do something about when you can't change what the other person is saying or doing, which means in the workplace, if you're taking care of your old your own programs and you're making sure that your self-talk is is very positive then you're you're wiring that part of your brain to to think and act in the positive to find solutions to move forward and what's happening is those strong pr- programs get stronger and because the strongest programs always win then you're going to be fine you'll have the other person will have less of an effect on you and if you think about it you can even prove that when you're down or thinking negative you tend to you tend to listen more to other people who are agreeing with you or who might be also mm-hmm. negative and so that's when their negativity really gets to you when you're up when you're going for it and this is today's your day and you're positive and and you've got this one then the other person doesn't their programs don't count as much because your programs are stronger anyone can do that it takes some practice but but try it tomorrow and see what happens I will. Absolutely. So, so on that topic, so you don't feel like that it is because I've had a few situations over the last few years where I've had close friends that were just constantly negative. Every time we got together, it was my ex did this and my this or that, or, and my, just my life is horrible. You know, I think just on my side, trying to think positively and put them in a positive frame of mind, like you said, you can't change their self-talk or help them with their programs. So I have found, you know, and it sounds like maybe it's not the case, but it seems to be I have found it necessary where I've just had to essentially cut people out of my life that were constantly bringing negative, negative energy into my life. Is that not the case that we can maybe combat that with just positivity and and still be okay if our own programs are are are, are strong enough? But I guess I get to the point where I feel like my positivity and my positive self talk is is kind of the energy from them is making it difficult for me to continue on my path. When people begin to change their self-talk. Let's say you're listening to self-talk audio sessions and you're starting to get really positive and you're wiring in the new language of, of, of self-talk. What happens, not, not with people necessarily trying to change their friends, but they begin to. So the more positive they become, the more they selective they become and who do they want to have around them in their life? And so they begin to 
slowly but surely change their friends. You can't, of course, change necessarily the people that you work with. Although over the years, I, I've known many people who literally changed, who, went, who worked somewhere else because their thinking was no longer consistent with the negative thinking of the people around them. Their thinking was becoming more positive and, and optimistic and action-oriented. And, and instead of allowing other people to hold them back, they tended to move on. Yeah, I think sometimes it is absolutely necessary in, in, in some cases. You kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but you as being the self-talk expert that you are, and I've read a lot of the reviews online for your books, and so many reviews are just saying that your teachings of self-talk and everything has completely changed their life and transformed their negative thoughts and all of that. Can you share with us how that has impacted others? Yes. Um, and I should mention that that the reason it's possible and very likely that people who understand this, who learn about it, start to practice it, the reason they do so well is because what they're actually doing is they're beginning to teach themselves to think in a new language with a new vocabulary. Mm -hmm. I think the reason for that is I. I, in my first career, I was a linguist. In fact, I was a, um, I was a Spanish-English interpreter for the United States government in Cuba during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Wow. And because I had studied foreign languages, later on, when I moved into the field of motivational psychology and behavioral psychology, because I had studied foreign languages, I began to put two and two together. I thought, as a hypothesis, what if... The people who do really well and are the happiest, what if they're thinking in a different language? What if, they're, what if in their brain they're using a different vocabulary? And so that's actually what started my, my deep research into self-talk, thinking, I know how to teach languages. I know how to learn languages. What if we could teach this language, which is now positive self-talk? What if we could teach that to other people? Wouldn't it work exactly the same way that you teach someone a new language. And we know that anyone can learn another language. And so, so the people who have written those reviews and so on, the reason they tell these wonderful stories of changing their life is because what they're actually doing is they're learning to think in a new language, a new vocabulary, and that's what's doing it for them. They had all the stuff. They had the right stuff to begin with. They were born with that potential. They just shifted the language they were using in their brain. And since that time, I've, I've studied uh, literally thousands of people. And I found that the people who are the happiest or the most successful or doing well in life day after day actually use different words in their thinking than the people who are down on life, unhappy, and think that nothing works out right. They're actually using a different language. What are some words that we can start incorporating into our daily lives that can help in this area? They start with the basic words. And it sounds so simple that most people listening to this would say, oh, well, I can do that. And then they might try it for three days and then forget to do it because they didn't really set the habit in. But, but look for any word that shows you what you can do instead of what you cannot do. So the first word I would use would be Positive. Hmm. Um, I think 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 about thinking in the positive. 
So I, I would add that word immediately to the vocabulary. Another word I would add would be gratitude. Now, we already know that people who, who practice gratitude do, do better than people who don't practice gratitude. Yep. Uh-huh. There's a huge difference between people who, between the lives of people who every day wake up and think, I'm grateful, I'm thankful, I'm so glad to be here. As opposed to the person who gets up and says, or wakes up in the morning and says, oh, no, another Blue Monday, or mm-hmm. oh, it's another one of those days, or I sure. can't believe, and, and so on. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. all the, some people have all the luck, and I don't have any luck, and so on. So so simply start by, sounds simple, I guess, by looking for the words that show you what you can do and who you really are, as opposed to what you can't do or what you could have done but can't. Um, so anytime, an, uh, uh, anytime the next opportunity or situation comes up, ask yourself, would I like to be the person who can deal with this? Or would I like to be the victim and not be able to deal with it? And you immediately start to think in terms of, wait a minute, I can do this. I've got this today, especially I'm on top, in tune, in touch, and going for it. I can do this. I'm glad to be here. That becomes the natural way to think and the natural way to be. be. And it's not Pollyanna positive. Sure. Good self-talk is actually very responsible. And one of my favorite lines of self-talk ever is, I do everything I need to do when I need to do it. Well, there's nothing that give, gives you a, an uneven break on that one. That means you better, you got to do things. You got to sure. you know, set those goals, write them down, take action, get them done review them do what you need to do so good self-talk isn't pollyanna wishful thinking good self-talk is really literally reframing your language into things that work for you instead of things that work against you yeah because i was also thinking when i first started researching about you and hearing about self-talk I immediately, for some reason, thought like compliments, like giving compliments to yourself. And you obviously, when you are implementing positive self-talk in your life, you have to be honest and truthful. So like, how do you distinguish the difference between those two? It sounds like everything that you just said is, is honest, like just saying like, oh, I am capable of doing everything I need to do. But I just wonder if people could get maybe an unrealistic perspective of themselves if if they're not being honest? I've never known that to happen. I've, okay. <laughs> I've, I've, I've thought about that many times, especially in the early years mm-hmm. of working with people and, and uh, helping them change their language. I, I was concerned about people just becoming um, conceited or something. Yeah. But, that, but life is very real. Uh, life doesn't really let us do that. Mm-hmm. However, there's a, there's a good mental step you can take to get around that concern. And that is, let's say you want to say, instead of saying, I am so disorganized, I never know where I put anything. Um, I never know what to do next. I'm just the most disorganized person in the world. Instead of saying that, you now want to say, I'm a really organized person. Just put the word choose in there. I choose to be an organized oh, person. That's I a see. great transitional step that, that gets you way past this thing of I'm kidding myself. It is. Yeah, it's realistic. Yeah, that's great. I, I choose to think really smart and sharp. I choose to be alert and aware. So the person who's saying that for the first time mm-hmm. realizes that, okay, maybe I'm not there yet, 
but that's my choice. That's mm-hmm. that person taking responsibility to do it. And so, yeah, it's very helpful to do it that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. One of your books is called The Power of Neuroplasticity. Is everything we've been talking about here, the reprogramming of your brain and the thoughts and the, the things that we say to ourselves, is that what neuroplasticity is? Yes, it is. That's, that's part of what neuroplasticity is. Everything we're talking about could have, could be, is being taught in um, neuroscience classes instead of just in psychology classes. We could just be talking about the functions of the brain and how it works. And maybe that's why self-talk has gotten so popular now is because we're, we're listening to science now more than, than people did in the past when it comes to how we think and, and how our lives work. We used to think it was just the psychological side of things. We now realize that, oh, there's a lot of wiring going on. And in the brain, neuroplasticity, that word itself actually means, it refers to the the brain's ability to rewire itself. At one time, not too long ago, we were actually taught in college that uh, the brain stops growing and changing when we're very young. We've now learned that that's not true at all. The brain continues to rewire itself and will continue to rewire itself throughout your entire lifetime. And if that's the case, and we also know from the field of neuroscience that the brain rewires itself based on new input, that makes that suddenly just makes complete sense that, well, if the brain is, if my brain is rewiring itself anyway, and it's rewiring itself based on the input that I give it, I might as well give it the right input. Hmm. I might as well teach it the language sure. that works yeah. instead of for me, instead of the wor- the language that works against me. It's a great way to look at it, which leads us into our final and favorite question of the show. What advice do you have for us and our listeners regarding how we can help make the world a better place in our daily lives? I think about that a lot. And my answer would be to ask yourself the question, what could I do today that helps me move beyond my own average? Hmm. Because it's not about other people so much, is it? It's more about how we're dealing with life ourselves. And of course, that then has an impact on those around us. But if each day what we did is did our best to move past or rise above our own average, then we could stop comparing ourselves with other people. We could stop being victims or we could stop worrying about what other people think. We could focus on what really counts. And that is, how could I get better? How could I rise above my own average? That's something worth looking at and thinking about each day because we get to do it every day. You're right. Every day we have a choice to make. And I mean, I'm glad we're having this conversation in the morning because that's going to change my whole outlook for today. (laughs) You and me both. Such an inspiration. Dr. Helmstetter, thank you so much for being here. For our listeners, you can go to selftalkplus.com. That's selftalkplus.com. And for more information on other teachings and whatnot, you can also go to shadhelmstetter.com. That's S-H-A-D-H-E-L-M. S-T-E-T-T-E-R.com. And we will put all these links in the episode notes. A few of his books, there's the self-talk bestseller, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. 
negative self-talk and how to change it and the power of neuroplasticity. Anything else you'd like to leave us with? Somebody said once that a, a, um, a compliment is the end of a good conversation, but but I'll say this not to compliment you guys, but but just from my heart. I really enjoyed this, and I especially like what you're doing. And and as a as a trained observer of of human behavior, I will tell you that one of the reasons your viewers, your audience likes the two of you is because you build almost immediate trust. It comes across so strong, uh. and it's a wonderful thing. It can't be fake. It's all. It's when it's real. It's when it's there. It, it's real. You just have this. Uh, so you give off a warmth that that without knowing you any more than I do, I would suggest that helping other pre- people is probably really important. Is that true? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, it, you're it exactly seems right. Like it is, but <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad that get me you got that here. impression. Yeah, that's the kindest compliment ever. Thank you so much for saying that. Well, if, if I were if I were writing a paper on the two of you, that would be one of the first things that I would write. So mm-hmm. keep doing what you're doing. I really like Aww. it. Thanks so much. To speak with people like you that that take the time to to share your knowledge and for you know Aaron and I to be in different generations, but so be so inspired by so many different guests each week. And then to share that with our with our audience is no doubt about it, one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life. It's just been such an it's amazing really journey. So thank you so much. That that made my day, and uh, it warmed my heart. Uh, so thank you so, so much. Well, I, I thank you so much, and I don't have to tell the two of you to have an incredible day. I know you will. We absolutely are. We are inspired. <laughs> thank you. You too. You have a great rest of the day. Have a fantastic week, and we'll be in touch. Thanks again. Okay. Take bye care. Bye. Bye-bye now. Bye. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Shad Helmstetter. To learn more about him and the work he is doing, you can visit shadhelmstetter.com. Thanks to our producer, Noah Existe, and editor, Joe Tampoco. Our music was written and performed by Nadia Importante. Thank you so much for listening. If this podcast brightened your day in any way, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you have any suggestions for guests or have any ideas on how we can improve our show, please send us an email to betterplaceprojectpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Better Place Proj for updates on our show. Look for small ways to be kind to others this week, and that will help make the world a better place. Make the world a better place. Make the world a better place. Make the world.